Welcome to more than a few words in marketing podcasts for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, joining Allison and I is Jennifer Llewellyn, and Jennifer is the business development manager and human resource consultant at Safari Solutions. Jennifer, we're so glad you could join us. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. This morning, we uh, we invited Jennifer um, to come because we want to talk about hiring and staffing and um, really like so many other things in small business. I think there's a, a process that you have to go through, and um, this is where I think Jennifer is going to be able to really uh, give us a little bit of insight. But before we get started, Jennifer, why don't you tell folks a little bit about the company that you work for now? Okay. I work for Safari Solutions, and uh, Safari Solutions basically is a, uh, a local Indianapolis business. We actually work nationwide, however, um, but we focus on helping small to medium-sized businesses with their hiring needs, um, uh, more, more um, specifically their hiring process. So it's how do you go about hiring um, the right person for a position that you have available um, and, and helping companies just through that part of the human resource element. Awesome. Okay, so I think I want to hire somebody. Where should I start? Well, you know, the first place to start is can you afford to hire somebody? Um, a lot of times uh, when we talk to clients, they, they'll get into a conversation and they know they need somebody and they know they want somebody, but when they really look closely at their budget, they can't afford the person that they need. So um, you have to kind of backpedal at that point and say, okay, can I, can I hire maybe a part-time person? to accomplish some of what I want um, within my budget or, you know, do I need to uh, do some more business before I bring this person on board? Um, cool. that, that's really the starting point, and it's so basic that, uh, you know, you just really have to assess that closely. And the second point is figuring out um, what skills and attributes you really need in a position and what a successful person is going to look like. Um, a lot of folks, when they write a job description, and this is just so common, you know, we write them so that it contains everything but the kitchen sink. And so here's the ideal person that we would like in this job, and, you know, in a lot of cases the ideal person doesn't exist. Um, so you really have to go ahead. Well, as, say, as a small business owner, and, and, and I think those two pieces kind of fit together, that whole what can you afford and what do you want the person to do? Um, very often when I talk to business owners, they, they want to hire somebody, but they want them to do everything from social media, web design, to going out and selling. And the skills that are required in each of those areas are so different. That's so true. And the personalities of people who fit into those job roles are very different. Um, I when so I what's my, most important to you? I remember when I was doing my social media or when I was doing my job search a couple of years ago, I would see the most incredible job ads. They would want someone who knew all the graphic design programs, could write beautifully, could go out and sell stuff, and somehow manage to do all this admin 
stuff all in the same person. People were really high in the sky. Oh, and they wanted them to do it all, you know. So really yeah. incredible expectations out there sometimes. And, and that so person just you, doesn't doesn't exist no, out there in nature normally. No, they, they they really don't. So how do you suggest that a business owner go about sort of narrowing that down? How how do you help them maybe figure out what they need most? Well, you just first have to sit down and assess where your gaps are. Um, as a business owner, um, you know, and a lot of the businesses uh, that we deal with are, are fairly small. Um, and, and when I say small, that's usually less than about 75 to 50 people. So it can range all across the board. Um, you know, you as the owner have so many things on your plate, and there's only so many things that you can do and so many things that you can do well. So you have to sit down and, and assess, okay, where is my value and where is my time best spent, and what do I need to delegate off, and is that currently being covered? Um, and so, you know, if you maybe have a couple people who are working for you that handle areas such as maybe you have a really great salesperson, but that person doesn't do well at writing, um, or, and you have a person who um, perhaps does very well at um, social media, but they do poorly at, um, you know, communicating with your, your clients, um, you know, you need to just determine what you really need in order for your business to be successful and where you don't have those areas covered. You know, one of the things that you said, you know, when you're going back and looking at what you can afford, it may very well be that the vision for your business is two part-time people. Instead of trying to find one person who can do soup to nuts, it might really be um, in, your best, in your best interest as a, as a business owner to hire a part-time salesperson, a part-time admin person, let them both grow into the roles as the business grows. Now you've got two people, each with very specific skill sets. You know, that that's very true. And, you know, if you're scaling your business uh, in a way that's manageable, um, you know, that that's a, a very wise thing to do. However, a lot of people want full-time positions. So that's kind of a challenge as well because, you know, you, you have people who, um, you know, they, they just financially can't afford to work part-time. So, you know, you have to uh, figure out, okay, are the people out there who are available to work part-time with the skill sets that I need, um, you know, and, and sometimes you have to fill in with some of the additional duties that don't necessarily fit that person, but... You know, if you if you want somebody who will definitely supplement your business, um, it's kind of a give and take. Absolutely, I think almost every job contains things that you're good at and not good at, and some of them are stretch goals. But I I think that that uh, sometimes uh, you're trying to put a very square peg in a very round hole, and it just doesn't fit. Um, and that is true. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now um, you've gone through the can I afford, and then the next thing is looking at skills and, attrib and, and, and attributes and figure out um, what you need the person to do. What's the next step in the process? The next step in the process is to write a really great job ad that you plan to post 
um, on a couple of the the job boards. Um, you know, you can post it on. Uh, we use CareerBuilder and LinkedIn a lot because they hit two different markets. LinkedIn has a tendency to hit the people who are currently employed, and CareerBuilder has a tendency to hit people who are currently employed, but a lot of people who aren't. And so, you know, but the, but the thing about an ad is that so many places write their job, they use a job description as a job ad. And that really, you know, it gives a lot of information, but number one, they're boring, and number two, they don't speak to what the, what the potential job applicant is looking for. Um, you know, they're, they're looking for much more than just what specific duties am I going to do every day. So to incorporate those into what you're posting out there about your company um, based on what, what the people need and want and what excites a typical person that might do well in your role is important. So maybe give me a, an example of what would you put in a job description versus what would you put in a job ad? Oh, let's say if I was going to hire a graphic designer, what would I put okay. in my job description versus my job ad? In the job description, it's a lot of the stuff that's necessary for HR. So for compliance, for your business to be legal, you know, you need to have job descriptions for each employee, and you need to have, or at least you should have job descriptions for each employee. Um, you need to have those things in uh, number of years of experience, um, exact technical skills, what type of software they're going to be working with, um, you know, information about your company that that's just basics basic stuff, you know, our company has been in business for X number of years, um, type of information. And and that's all necessary. Um, but in, in specific duties are, are, are required in a job description. Now, those things are also required in a job ad. However, you twist them. So you make it exciting. You make it fun. You know, t uh, are you a person that thrives on creating really awesome materials for client companies. You know, do you really just love the creative aspect of graphic design and, you know, uh, can spend hours developing um, just the perfect um, campaign for um, a, a, a graphic design client type of a thing? So it gets into more of the emotional component. And it tells, you know, even in your company description, it's not our company's been in business for 47 years and we're located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, is that important to be in there? Yes. But, you know, our business is different because, you know, and here's why it's a great place to work. And here's, you know, who we are really and building a little bit of the cultural component and, and what your company's about and a little bit about your company values. Um, you know, the challenge is keeping that brief because everybody wants to tell their story. Um, but it's all it's all doable to the point where you need to write it from the client or from the applicant perspective versus from the company perspective. That's really the bottom line difference. The job ad speaks to the applicant and and gets them excited about your company and about your position. The job description simply describes it. Got it. Cool. Okay, and you know it was interesting because while you know while you were talking in the in the chat room, James Yount um, 
you know, uh, voice this, this concern that, that in this day and age, um, people, um, uh, companies want people to be able to do everything. Um, and, and he's struggling with this whole, you know, this trend where people want graphic designers to be developers as well. And um, I, I think being clear in, in job descriptions about your one or the other, um, or that the job does entail both. Um, you know, at Roundpeg, we, uh, we separate. I do have a full-time graphic designer, and that's all she does, and then I have another designer who does straddle the fence. And they're very proficient. Uh -huh. um, I think it's unrealistic to assume that every designer can do both. Um, and communicating that in your both in your ad and in your description, I think, helps people figure out whether this will be a good fit. Allison's got a Absolutely. question from Twitter. We have a question from Drew Larison. You know, we're talking a lot about uh, you know all these skills that people are expected to have. What role does post-hire training? Play into all of that. How much do you have to expect to train a new hire on the position? Well, you're always going to have to train somewhat. You know, everybody's business is different. Everybody's business has its own nuances and its own culture and its own specific tasks and things that it requires. Um, and that's expected. That's a given. But, you know, if you are looking for someone who is, you know, a blend, say, of graphic design and programming, and, and what you have, what and you find this wonderful graphic designer, are they willing to be trained? Are they willing to learn the other side of it? Um, you know, some people thrive on the ability to add additional skill sets. They just haven't had the opportunity to learn it yet. And as a company, are you willing to take that time to go through the learning curve with them um, and, and get to the point where that person is as um, good as what you need them to be on that other skill? And if not, you might want to think about contracting part of it out to somebody just part-time because there's a lot of people out there right now that are looking to contract for, for very specific things. Absolutely. And I think the other side of it is as an employer, I think you have to be realistic. Um, experience talk that if you want to uh, hire somebody with five years' experience, it's reasonable to expect that they'll be able to walk into a job and once they get past the basic culture issues, that they're going to be up and running a lot faster. But if you hire somebody right out of school, they may be very enthusiastic, they may be a quick study, but there's going to be a, a longer learning curve, and so it's reasonable to say the starting salary is um, the starting salary is lower, um, mm -hmm. but when you get under speed, you know there is there's that upscale there, there's that uh, higher level um, salary that is available, but you have to demonstrate certain competencies. Correct, and it's really in what you need. If your business is new and and progressive and growing and entrepreneurial, you know it's okay to hire people right out of school because they're going to jump in and they're going to become part of kind of the core of your company and and really grow with you um, as you develop as a company. You know, and sometimes when you're talking about specific software and graphic design skills. I have a niece who's going through the program up at Ball State right now. And, um, 
you know, they're doing some really interesting new things that, you know, your your folks who have been in graphic design, for example, for, for years and years may not know. So, you know, if you like, if you need somebody who has more of a traditional skill set and may need to learn the newer stuff, that's one side of it, and, and but you're going to pay more. Or you can get somebody right out of school and, and train them, which isn't a bad thing either because sometimes those of us who are a little bit older and have been around the block have some bad habits. So um, depending on your company, people right out of school are, are much more moldable. Is that a word? Yeah, I, I, I think it is It is a trade-off, and it's something we go through uh, all the time. Because at Roundpeg, I do hire a lot of young professionals. Upside is they come in with a lot of enthusiasm. They come in with, with new skills. Um, the, the downside has been, um, as we were starting to grow, we've had a lot of turnover as some of uh, some really talented people have moved on to bigger and better jobs. My challenge mm-hmm. as an employer is now to create an environment that can grow with these people so they are willing to um, so that they're willing to stay longer. Um, but okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to take that. I'm going to come back to the outline because um, we've talked about you know getting the job description and um, you know figuring out what you can afford. Um, what comes What comes next? You know, you, you post, well, you post the job application and the resumes start coming in. Now what? Well, you have to review the resumes thoroughly and know what you're looking for. And sometimes that just takes experience. Um, you know, and, and sometimes when you post an ad, you're going to get 250 resumes. You may get 500 resumes. And out of those resumes that you get, maybe 30 of them will be close to what you're looking for. So it's a time-consuming process of reviewing those resumes, understanding, you know, that that there's going to be a fair number of people that don't fit or that don't qualify, being able to to kind of separate those who do and those who don't, Um, and then to basically get a hold of the people who do fit your criteria quickly so that, um, you know, they, they know you're interested and uh, then you can move forward with maybe a phone interview or an in-person interview. Or what we use here is a um, we do a, a screening questionnaire first. And occasionally we do an assessment up front because for various positions that tells us a lot and will we'll get us down to a more reasonable number of candidates more quickly. Um, but, but really the most important part of it is to contact those people that you feel are the best fit quickly so that they're not hanging out there thinking that you're not interested. Absolutely. Um, I had you know kind of two situations. One, I had a candidate that I was very interested in, um, and I just wasn't able to move fast enough, and he was only in the market about a week because he was between jobs. I heard he left it. You know, he left the job. I was very interested, had a preliminary conversation, but before I could get back to him, you know, he was that good. He, he landed something else. So so being able to, yep. I think, respond to a small business owner is critical. But the other thing, and this is kind of a funny story, um, I was sitting on an airplane years ago, and the guy in front of me was reading resumes. And these had to be resumes for graphic designers because one was more beautiful than the next. Uh-huh. And 
had he had a huge stack of them, and literally he would read a resume or he would just glance at it briefly and rip it. And as a young professional who had spent hours on my resume, I, I was absolutely <laughs> devastated watching him tear these resumes apart. And now as a business owner, I totally understand. I get so many resumes, and these days I just hit the delete button. And uh-huh. you, um, I think you really have to develop a very, uh, it's a trained eye to look for, I know what I'm looking for, this has it or it doesn't. Exactly. The key qualities, and maybe you choose three, maybe you choose five that you're looking for in these people. So if five years of experience is is absolutely imperative for you or if a bachelor's degree is critical and they don't have that degree, file 13. You know, I mean, you have to set your parameters of what your critical areas are so that you can screen on those quickly. Allison, you had a point. Um, I wanted to ask about some of the trends that we're seeing in the resumes. Many of our resumes that we get are either from people who are currently in school looking for internships or for people mm-hmm. who are fresh on the job market. And what we're seeing increasingly is even for people who are still in school, we're seeing resumes that are running a full two pages. Is this an industry trend? What do you think about that? Because when I was in school just a few years ago, it was all the resume has to be one page at the beginning uh-huh. of the career. I've seen a 13-page resume, and that's extreme. Um, you know, you just look at this thing and go, oh, my goodness, what was this person thinking? Um, and it tells you a lot about the person when they get really wordy like that because it just kind of tells you about who they are and, and how they're wired. But And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just lack of training in how to do a resume in a lot of cases. Um, what we find is that it's very, very difficult anymore because of, I mean, years ago, people would have one or two jobs in their whole career. You know, that's not the case anymore. So it's very difficult for someone to put all of their information on one page. Um, so two pages is pretty standard anymore. Um, three pages is not uncommon for a, an upper-level professional. Um, especially if they start adding community activities and things like that, depending on the position that may or may not um, help their their ability to be considered. Um, You know, one page for college graduates should be okay. You know, most college graduates, unless they're going to school later in life and they've had, um, you know, an abundance of jobs prior, Um, You know, but another thing people make the mistake of is you don't have to put every single job that you've ever had in your life on your resume. It it only needs to be those that are relevant. Absolutely. Okay, so we are, uh, gosh, the the half an hour has just flown by. Um, One other thought maybe of one other step in the the hiring process that business owners need to consider, and then I kind of want to wrap up and make sure people know how to get a hold of you. Uh-huh. Uh, after they screening the resume, um, what's next? Um, the thing that we find is is most important is to define a behavior style that fits the position. So you know, okay, it looks like they have the skills that they can do the job, but are they really willing to? And so assessments here are are just tremendously valuable and there's a bazillion different kinds of assessments out there the key is to use one that's valid and reliable um you know I, we use 
probably six or eight different assessments here, but um, it really helps you understand who this person is, what their behaviors are, whether those are consistent with what you're looking for. And sometimes it's best to, to assess somebody that's currently doing the job if you have that ability, um, awesome. somebody who's doing it well first. That, that's a great tip. I'm going to just jump over. I've got a quick question. I know this is not really, um, because you guys focus more on helping companies um, find the mm -hmm. right candidates, but one of our listeners sent a note through the chat room and asked about um, offering help with job searches. When you get people who apply for jobs to you and they're looking for other resources, where do you point or direct candidates? who are looking for maybe help in their job search? Do you have a place you send them? Well, we have a number of organizations that we partner with. Some are individuals and some are groups that help people who um, just really are struggling. And, and, you know, there's a lot of resources online, too, and a lot of different books like What Color Is Your Parachute is always a, a classic. Um, you know, to just figure out what... The, the biggest questions, honestly, and, and uh, I, I think are, okay, what, do, what am I good at, mm -hmm. but also what do I enjoy, you know, and, and that was a huge eye-opener for me when I figured that out is, oh, my goodness, I'm good at all these things, but I don't have to do all these things because I don't even like half of them. So getting Absolutely. down to what do you enjoy so, um, and then again, putting a killer resume together. So you said that, because the resume is critical, but you said there are a couple of, of organizations that you refer. Um, any one in particular that this guy locally should be looking at, maybe turning to for a little bit of help? Well, they range in price. So, you know, if it's an upper-level executive type person, um, we get a lot of people who have owned their own businesses for years, and in this economy they're like, I just can't do it anymore, so I've got to shut it down and, and go do something else. Um, 360 Degree Search, run by Rich Connell, um, is a fabulous resource for people who are more on the uh, executive level or director, upper level manager, um, and need help with figuring out what they're going to do next in their lives. Um, there are a lot. Go ahead. Starting, kind of somebody who's starting out more on the other end. Somebody who's starting out, you know, the alumni associations of your college, if you went to school, are a wonderful place to start because usually, well, the career services departments, because they help alumni, you know, and a lot of times when people graduate, they don't think to go back and say, hey, I need some help redoing my resume, but that's part of the reason career services departments are there. It's not only to help their existing students, it's to help their alumni. And they can help put a resume together. They can help suggest organizations in your community. Um, they have a ton of different resources available to help. Fabulous. Okay, so we are winding down. Um, we've only got a few minutes left. If, um, if business owners are looking at the daunting task of hiring an employee and they want some help, one of the things that um, Safari Solutions does that's a little different is really help people with specific elements. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? We are online at safarisolutions.com. We also have another website geared specifically towards sales that we just launched recently, and that is salesscore, S-A-L-E-S-S-C-O-R-E.com. 
Um, our main phone number is 317-578-1310. And, um, we, we really, the, what makes us different is that we're not a typical recruiter. We don't just throw resumes at companies and say, okay, here you go. We really get into, you know, what have you struggled with in the past? What hasn't worked for you? Do you need somebody to help you with the whole hiring process or just parts of it? And we start with the discovery process of who are you, what do you need, what type of person, all of that information, what's your culture, et cetera, and go through sourcing, screening, evaluation, and verification and take the company, if necessary, through the entire process for a price that they can usually afford versus a percentage of the first-year salary. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, if, uh, if you're listening and you need uh, help with part of your hiring process, be sure to check out Safari Solutions. Allison, any parting comments? No. A lot of interest in this topic. Thanks everyone for chatting. Uh, we Thank will you so be much. Thank you. We'll be back next week with um, a conversation about Startup Weekend. And as always, if you have questions about marketing, networking, social media, and more, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.tiz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.